today on It's Time. We need to know what we believe, why we believe it. Because you're going to come in contact with people who need Jesus. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts. So, follow along as we join Pastor Mike. Whenever we talk about being led by the Spirit, it's always to lead us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Well, we know that as we do this, and we're on our journey serving God, we know that, as it tells us in verse 22 of chapter 14, as we left off last week, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Now, sometimes we wish certain verses weren't in the Bible. Certainly this is probably one of them. That through many tribulations we enter the kingdom of God. Not that we earn our way into heaven. That's not what it's saying. But on the journey of life, being that you are a child of the Most High, that you are in a hostile world to the gospel, it's going to cause tribulations in your life. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulations. It's not an option It's an absolute fact. You will. So if you're going through that, if you're going through adversity, it really simply proves what you are, that you belong to him. If you're skating and you continue to skate, I'm not talking about those times of refreshing the Lord gives to all of us. But if you're always skating and you're not going and meeting the enemy and you have ferocious, fiery trials, then I would say you probably need to examine your life and say, God, am I really making an impact for you? Am I, in fact, a noisy little sunbeam for you? The Bible says we're supposed to shine. Jesus said you're the light of the world. And when you shine, you're going to cause reaction. Some, you're going to be the fragrance of life. To others, the stench of death. Because, you know, to come to Christ, we have to die to our old sin nature. A lot of people don't want to die. They want to continue to put Jesus in their pocket and yet live their own selfish life all the while believing that they're walking with the Lord. Well, the Bible tells us that when we really walk with God, it's going to cause us to see life so differently that we will no longer be attracted to the things we used to be attracted to. But now we're going to be saying, hey, God, how can I bless your kingdom? How can I be about your business? That's what's going to be. In order to do that, We have to crucify the old flesh that says, no, I think I would rather live for me today. You think you're the only one that feels that way? Hey, friends, we all do as Christians. But this is where we make a conscious decision to serve God because we believe his word. Let's pray. Father, as we look at your word today, we ask you, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. And God, that we would have your wisdom, your heart that would convey to us that you've begun a work in us, that you will fulfill it, and you'll see us through. And so, Father, may we learn, may we be taught by your word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 15 is where we left off last week. Now, what's where we'll pick it up? Now, we know that, um, by the way, 
Um, as we let's go back to verse 26, just to give you a little bit of background. If you weren't here, that'll help. It says, "From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commanded to the grace of God for the work which they had completed." And they went and then had gathered at the church together. They had reported all the things that God had done with them and that had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And so they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So there was this reunion. They had been on their first missionary journey. It was a great time. Everybody was blessed. And again, we we talked about this on Sunday morning. Jesus begins his earthly ministry. And the Bible says that Jesus met up with John the Baptist. We remember that he went down in the water. He was baptized. There was a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit on the form of a dove came down, rested upon him. This beautiful high point, you might say, of Jesus uh, entering his earthly ministry. Now, Jesus was ministering all along, but this is when people recognize his ministry actually began, you might say, where we find the disciples being appointed and all of the miracles and things like this. Well, what's really amazing here is that you look at this picture of this great outpouring of God, voices from heaven and physical evidence, the dove coming down. And and then the Bible says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I I think I want to just stay in this wonderful place where I was at. I don't want to go into any wilderness. I want to stay where it's nice and comfy and I have everything that I want all in a row and that's just the way I want to live my life. The Bible says, by the Spirit, he was led into the wilderness, that's not all, to be tempted by the devil. Now you think about that for a minute. You go from one really out, unbelievable, outstanding anointing of God to this place in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. The Bible said he came to him three different times, tempting in the body, mind, and in the spirit. These three things the devil approached him on and tried to attack him on to use his authority, his power for his own selfishness. Well, we find that in the same way, this happens. They stayed there a long time with the disciples. They were sharing all the things God had done. It was a great time. Notice verse 1, 15. They go together. You see the word and there? That means as a continuation of the previous verse. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Whoa. So right in the middle of this great time, sharing about how God had opened the doors to the Gentiles, a group of Judaizers, believers in Christ, who had held on to the Old Testament law, had come down and began to chide and try to teach people a more deeper understanding of God's word. Okay. Well, verse 2. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. In other words, in the middle of their sharing their faith, people being saved, God's power being poured upon them, there were people that came along and said, well, it's not just Jesus only, it is something else. Now, you might say, well, Mike, that's really nice. We're reading this. This is some great history. How does it apply to me tonight? Okay? 
Hey, in every way. I've had people come to my door saying that unless I worship only on Saturday, that I won't be saved. I've had them say, unless I stop eating pork, you cannot be saved. As a matter of fact, you'll find that many of these people who claim Christ will add something else to Christ for salvation. Remember, Jesus plus zero is salvation. (laughs) You don't have to add anything else to what Jesus did for you on the cross. He paid it all. When Jesus said to last I, it is finished. That's exactly what he meant. No other bill to be paid. Debt paid in full. Now, when somebody comes along and says, yes, (laughs) but the real Christians, the real Christians worship on Tuesday. Well, you got a problem here because I don't, you don't go to heaven because we worship on Sunday or Saturday or Wednesday or Tuesday. We go to heaven because of why Jesus died on the cross for us. We've accepted that fact. We've wrapped ourselves in his righteousness and that's what makes us holy. Now you say, but Mike, elementary, my dear Watson. Yes, I know. In fact, it to me is crystal clear as you look at all of the Bible, not just here in the book of Galatians, is the same way. In chapter 3, he writes to the churches scattered through Galatia, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? You began in the Spirit, are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? And really, friends, what is, what is the circumcision thing? It's an act of the flesh. It's something that we do. And all the way through the history of man, he's always looked for something that he can do to make himself right before God. You'll find if you do any church history at all, and going back to what's called penance in the Catholic church in the early years, that you would crawl up the Sistine Chapel on broken glass on the stairs on your knees in some way punishing yourself or be like a monk and go out and bury yourself up to your head in the sand with just your little head sticking out. And this in some way, by punishing the body, you show your worthiness to God. Friends, it isn't. It's simply where we as Christians realize what God has done for us. I can never do anything to earn salvation. I can never do anything to show my worthiness to God. The Bible says all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. Now you think about that. If I can't do it, that means somebody else has to to do it for us. That's what the gospel is. That's what the word gospel means. The word gospel means good news. Have you heard the good news. You walk up to somebody today in the mall and you say, hey, have you heard the gospel? They go, and they'll start recoiling from you. They go, oh, religious nut. But you walk up to a person and say, hey, have you heard the good news? And they'll go, what good news? You can't earn it. Can't earn what? Life. Well, I'm already alive. Are you? Let me ask you a question, bud. Are you happy? Well, uh, sometimes. Let me ask another question. You ever think about what's going to happen after this life? Well, I don't really know. You know, I've done the best I can, and I'm a good, and I'm better than the guy that lives next door. 
Well, what if going to heaven was not predicated upon you being good, but somebody else's goodness being poured on you? That'd be pretty good news, wouldn't it? Yeah, that sounds good. I like that. In other words, somebody paid your ticket into heaven. I like that. And see, what happens a lot of times is when we get into this, you might say, ego-driven faith that says, look what I did. Look at me. I, 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 I knocked on so many doors and I, I wore that miserable tie every Sunday morning. And I sat through those boring sermons and I, I remember rolling paper and, and drawing on them on the bulletin and making paper airplanes for afterwards so the kids could throw them around. At least they'll have a good time here. And it was like I was putting in a, a, a time card for God, punching the clock, going, okay, God, look at there, every service. I, I suffered through all of them. I was up a little late on Saturday and I know I slept through a lot of ones on Sunday morning, but look, I got my time card punched. God goes, hmm, very impressed. No. God looks at that and says, what are you thinking? Why are you trying to earn something that I've already given you? You see, when the word of God comes alive, it goes into your heart. And when it goes into your heart, it's not boring. In fact, it illuminates us. We go, wow, God, <laughs> that's why I live the way I am. That's why I have the, the, the attitudes and the feelings and the drives and all these things that I have. I need, it's not that those drives are wrong, but I'm driven towards the wrong things. So what God does when we become born again, he puts his spirit into a dead shell. And now the you might say the energy that we have as living humans, we now channel that or we use that for the glory and the kingdom of God. So, in the middle of all this going on, you have the Judaizers coming along saying, yeah, but it's Jesus plus circumcision as Moses taught. Of course, they always tie it to somebody of somewhat. Well, the problem here was Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. This was very important. If you like to underline things in your Bible, you might want to underline the word cannot. The reason why that's important is because this wasn't just a a light disagreement among the brethren. This was a major issue that you couldn't even be saved unless you were circumcised. Friends, this is rather major. Now, They have a disagreement. What do you do about that? Well, Paul and Barnabas, no small dissension. I like this because Paul did not back down. Notice again, if you like to underline things in your Bible, dissension and dispute with them. They made a defense for their faith. Now, friends, we're going to be all challenged on this. I am challenged daily on this. I do something really stupid. I allow a six phone lines or eight phone lines to come into, so I can talk to people. A lot of times you just like to hide, you know. (laughs) I'll come out Sunday morning, come out of the elevator. Here's my sermon. I hope you're impressed. I get back in my elevator and I don't see anybody for another week. I don't do that. When you put yourself on the line what you're going to come across is potential dispute. Because a lot of people don't see the Bible, I believe, the way the Holy Spirit 
wrote it. You say, well, how can that be? Well, I don't know how that is. When you have people ask the question, well, God had many sons. Buddha, Muhammad, John Lennon, they're all there. What? How do you defend that? How, how do you defend it when, when somebody says, well, Satan and Jesus are brothers? And the father just happened to like Jesus' plan of salvation better than Lucifer's plan of salvation. And so therefore Lucifer got mad and stomped out and became the devil. That's what the Mormons believe, by the way. How do you defend that? How do you do, well, not defend that, but how do you defend the truth? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. The only one he ever had. That word only begotten means the only one he ever had. He didn't have two sons. So we can use the Bible to defend our faith. Paul, it tells us here, and Barnabas defended their faith. The reason they could defend their faith is they knew what they believed. If you don't read your Bible, you won't know what you believe. You'll just believe what somebody told you. Well, that's what my church tells me. Well, what do you know? It's funny, Jesus asked the same question, friends. They're walking along the road one day, and Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Yeah, well, one say you're one of the prophets of old, come back to life. Some say you're Elijah. And they were all, and Jesus said, but, but who do you, he looked at Peter, say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the only Son of God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father, which is in heaven. Which tells me that to know who God is is supernaturally discerned. But the point is to know what you believe and why you believe it. Now, here we find there was this argument that breaks out. These guys came down trying to pull evidently people off to the side. Uh, they, were, they were most likely believers, but they had added something to Jesus' salvation. You might say what... Jesus paid on the cross for us. So, verse 3. So, being sent out on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia, Samaria, describing the conversation of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. It's interesting. Evidently, they might have, must have explained why they were going to Jerusalem to get this resolved. If we go back, look at it. It says again, it says this dispute with them, verse 2 it says, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So listen, if we can't get a resolve here, then let's go to the guys that walked around with Jesus all the time. They'll solve this issue for us. Notice it says, and they, who are they? The people in the church that say, hey, we want an answer here. See, here's the great thing. People that are around you and me deserve good answers. Now, friends, I'll tell you, I don't have all the answers. I don't ever profess to. But I'll tell you something. If somebody asks me a question, I'll do my very best to research and give them an answer for it. Sometimes somebody will ask a question, even on the radio, and they'll say, what? And I go, I don't know. Some people believe this. Some people believe that. I personally believe this, but I don't necessarily expect you to believe what I believe when it's something that perhaps is not absolutely crystal clear. And there are things like that in the Bible. Well, here's the point. We need to know what we believe, why we believe it. Because you're going to come in contact with people who need Jesus. They're going to need their answers 
from the Bible, not from some idea or something else where you can say, this is what the Bible says about that. And they have questions. And when you see the lonely hearts that come out of the cults, and they don't have any hope because their church does not, their religion doesn't offer them hope. Why doesn't it? Because their hope is based on their performance. Oh, wow. Our hope is based upon what Jesus did for us. Big difference. So when you ask somebody, are you going to go to heaven when you die? And they go, well, well, I've, I've done the best I can. Well... It's the wrong answer, really. It's not whether you did good. It's what God did for you. See, you've got to know the difference. Well, so, you need to go to Jerusalem. You need to get this figured out. So they went on their way. They stopped by these different places that they had visited before, told the Gentiles while they were going, because it was all over the whole Gentile thing all along. How much, again, of the Mosaic Law are we going to make the Gentiles come under? That's a big question. In other words, you're going to have to really study in depth all the laws of Moses to really be a Christian, is what these Judaizers were saying. And so it says, when they come to Jerusalem, verse 4, they received, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported to the things that God had done with them. So they report all these things, these wonderful things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So what do we find here? We find that where they were preaching, where they had settled, as we look at the first part of verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 15, now the same issue is being brought up in Jerusalem where the, where the apostles are. Now, friends, thank God that this became an issue when it did. Because the very guys that walked with Jesus, that saw the compassion of the Lord, saw all of his heart, realizing that it's not by works we're saved, by what Jesus did for us on the cross, they saw firsthand and they were able to settle this. You say again, well, why is this important to me? Because people will come to your door saying, unless you worship on Saturday or unless you physically join our church, you will not go to heaven. I don't go to heaven because I'm a member of a church. I go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross for me and I've accepted that. And if I'm a member of a church in this regard that I am part of a fellowship of believers, great. But to say that my name has to be on their roster someplace for me to be saved, or I have to be baptized in their pool in order for me to be right with God, that's false teaching. That's how you know you can spot certain things that are fraud. Now again, see, the reason why we know the difference between wolves in sheep's clothing and sheep is because there are some noticeable differences if you look. The tracks they leave and what they eat. Those are probably two of the best ways to recognize the difference between a sheep and a wolf in sheep's clothing. Completely different kind of footprint. They also walk a little differently too. You may not notice from a distance, but as you get closer to them, you begin to notice these things. The point is, is this, to keep you from this day forward, from getting sucked into some cult, because they say, well, the real Christians only wear blue really? 
Okay. Now, I make that kind of fun of that. But friends, I know people who walked with the Lord, who knew that salvation was through Jesus Christ only, who got sucked into these things because they did not have the word of truth in their life. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.